in which it is impossible for God to lie. Two immutable things so that we can have an assurance. Say an assurance. An assurance that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. That God has given us or God gave a promise. And God swore also by himself. Now, that shows us that the promise is very important. Is that not important? Now, when it says the promise, I've said that in the New Testament, we are not living in God's promises. In the New Testament, we are living in the fulfillment of God's promise. Amen. I've said that before. And it shows you that what God said to Abraham was eternally binding. It means that it was, he calls it immutable. Mean that it can't be changed. So when God made the promise to Abraham, what promise did he make to Abraham? He said that I've made you the heirs, the heir of the world, and to your seed. Or I've given you the world and to your seed. You see the promise in Romans chapter 4. Take us there. It's very important that we look at it again and again. Is that not powerful? Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Verse 13. It's so important. Say it's so important. So the promise that God made at the time he made it was eternally binding. The promise was immutable. The promise that God made to Abraham was an immutable promise. A promise that cannot be changed. A promise that cannot be altered. A promise that could not be altered by Abraham's actions or whatever Abraham did. That was the promise. He says that for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. The promise that what? The promise that he should be the heir of the world. So the promise that God made to Abraham was a promise that Abraham, you will be the heir of the world. Not only you, but also to your seed. That is the promise that God made to Abraham. The promise that makes Abraham or a promise that he gave to Abraham concerning the fact that he would be made the heir of the whole world. An inheritor of the whole world. So Abraham was to own the world. Not to just live in the world. Not just to be part of the world. But to live like somebody who owns the world. That was the promise. Come on, shout glory. glory. So that the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed. So we'll come back to go, go back to the Hebrews chapter 6 again. We'll come back here. Amen. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Is that not powerful? powerful Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 again. Can you please be a little bit faster so that we can? Are we there? So it says, for when God made promise to Abraham. So God's promise to Abraham, the Abrahamic promise that he received from God, was an immutable promise. It's very important. An unchangeable promise. A promise that is eternally binding. A promise that was eternally binding. Couldn't be changed by any man. Not by God, nor by Abraham. Not by anyone. The promise. Then he also attached a swearing, an oath, to the promise. An oath 
And that oath was God swearing by himself. Because he had no one greater than himself to swear by. To prove to us who are living in the Abrahamic blessing now how immutable his promise and the oath is. So that we cannot have any reason why we feel we can't walk in the blessings or we are not blessed again. Did you hear what I said? We can't give any reason or no man of God can give any reason why a Christian can't walk in the blessing or why a Christian is not blessed. Because that promise, that blessing is immutable. The promise and the oath attached to the blessing is immutable. It's unchangeable. Your errors can't change it. Amen. 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 Who what I'm saying there? Yes, is that powerful? powerful? And this is so important so that we have that what the scriptures could say, full of uh, full assurance of hope and full assurance of faith concerning the blessing of Abraham. Concerning the wealth creation mechanism of God on our lives. I've said that the blessing of Abraham is what? The wealth creation mechanism. I think I said it last week. The wealth creation mechanism of God in the life of the Christian. So as long as the blessing of the Lord is on a person's life or in a person's spirit, God sees wealth in the life of that person. Or the creation of wealth, supernatural creation of wealth in the life of that individual. The possibility of it. Come on, shout glory. glory. Say the possibility of it. So it's very important. Now go back to Romans again. Is that not awesome? So we are walking in an immutable blessings. An unchangeable blessings. Amen. Amen. Say I'm blessed. Say I'm blessed. Say it again. Say I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. Amen. So take us to Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Is it not powerful? So it says, For the promise that it should be the heir of the world, that is to Abraham, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. That is to tell us that when God made that promise to Abraham, what he was really talking about was Abraham's seed. It was not just to only Abraham, that's what he's saying. And not to his seed under the law or through the law of Moses. But the seed. Now, take us to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. So when God made a promise that he should be the heir of the world, he was referring to Abraham and his seed. Say it after me. He was referring to Abraham to Abraham and his seed. Now Galatians chapter 3 from verse 16. It says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. 
he did not say unto seeds as of many seeds, but unto seed or unto your seed as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So here Paul is telling us that God made a promise to Abraham, and not only to Abraham, but to Abraham and his seed. And to Paul, and for us to know, he's telling us that when God made that promise to Abraham, he was actually, and, and added Abraham's seed, he was actually referring to one person, not to many people, but one person. So when God was making the promise to Abraham, God was looking at one seed. So Paul says that that seed is Christ. Is that not powerful? That seed is Christ. That seed is Christ. So God was making a promise to Abraham and to Christ. To the seed of of Abraham, which is Christ. That means that Christ is the seed of Abraham. Write it down. Christ is the seed of Abraham. Christ is the seed of Abraham. Christ is the seed of Abraham. Is that not powerful? Christ is the seed of Abraham. Now, why is Christ the seed of Abraham? Oh, try it. Why is Christ the seed of Abraham? He said, there is something, you know, what I'm trying to teach you this evening, it looks like I'm going back, but I'm not going back. I'm just trying to establish certain things. Amen. Amen. What I'm trying to teach you this evening, I want your mind to go on the promise. When he says, he made a promise to Abraham. It shows you that the promise has so much force with it. Or the I don't know how to put it, but it shows you that the, the promise is so, the promise he made to Abraham is so, is so, is so powerful. It's not like just, he just made a promise, no. But the promise he made to Abraham was so powerful that that promise had to do with the coming of Christ. And that same promise had to do with the spirit of God. It's very important. So the promise he made to Abraham, said he made a promise and Abraham and to his seed. And he says that that seed is referring to is the seed that is one, which is Christ. So when God made a promise to Abraham, he made it with Christ in mind. Meanwhile, when Abraham gave birth, did he give birth to Christ? No. He gave birth to Isaac. But you see, why is Christ referred to as the seed of Abraham and an inheritor of the promise or a person that the promise actually belonged to. Because in all the writings, Paul is letting us know that the promise God made actually to Abraham actually, reality, belonged to Christ. He made it for the sake of Christ. You hear what I said? So he made that promise for the sake of Christ. The promise that he gave to Abraham actually belonged to Christ. Amen. 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 And what was the promise? That he should be the heir of the world. And he made it to Abraham and his seed. But you see, when he talks about Christ as the seed of Abraham, 
He's talking about cast the seed of Abraham, not because when you trace the genealogy of, of, of Christ, you will go back to Abraham. I know that when you trace it, many preachers preach it like that. When you trace it from Abraham going according to the flesh, you enter, 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 and you come to Joseph. Amen. And that is the reason why Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham. That is true, but that is not entirely truth. Amen. In God's mind, that is not the reason why he calls Christ the seed of Abraham. Because that is still after the flesh. <laughs> Where what I said? Where what I said there? So I said, did you hear what I said? So if you are saying we are tracing the, the genealogy of, of, of Jesus, amen. amen, we will trace it to Abraham. We will trace it to Joseph. Amen. amen. Consider that in Matthew chapter 1 and all that. But that is not what I want to emphasize on. Why? Because if you are tracing it like that, then we are still tracing it after the flesh. But what Paul is telling us is that the seed of Abraham is referring to it's not the seed of Abraham after the flesh. Because if the seed of Abraham after the flesh, it will come to Isaac, ah, then it will enter Joseph. Then Jesus will come out. But in reality, Joseph is not the father of Jesus. Amen. Is Joseph the father of Jesus? No, in reality. So if we, if we even trace it to Joseph, we can argue that Joseph is not the, the father of Jesus. So how come we are tracing it from that angle. If we trace it to Mary, it's okay. But it still gives us, uh, it, it shows us that we are still tracing it after the flesh. So Jesus is not the seed of Abraham because of the genealogy of Abraham or of Jesus as we trace it like that. Who is hearing what I'm saying? No. Jesus is the seed of Abraham because of the promise. Now, Jesus is a child of promise. Or Jesus was a child of promise. However you put it, was or is. Because what I'm, trying, what I'm explaining is both old and new. <laughs> so you don't know which tenses to put in place. <laughs> Come and shout glory. Glory. Okay, what I said. Jesus is a child of promise. Abraham is a father of a promise. Abraham had a promise in his belly. Amen. Amen. Abraham had a promise where? In his belly. He was pregnant with a promise. Because God had made a promise to him. And to his seed. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is referred to, Jesus is the seed of Abraham because Jesus is also a child of promise. When we say somebody is a child of promise, it means that a child, a, a, a child that a promise has been spoken about, or a child that has been spoken about and was pending to be born, or the promise was pending to happen. So when we say that, oh, you give birth to a child, so, 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 it's a promise. The child has not yet been born. And it takes many years for the child to be born. That child that is born is a child of promise. But Abraham is a father of promise because Abraham had a promise given to him. And Abraham gave birth to Isaac. Now I had a teaching I taught, I think some years back, about the, the father, his son, and, and, and uh, the father, the son, and the heirs. 
of God. It was a very powerful teaching. I don't know whether it's still there. The audio is still there, but it's very powerful. And what I was trying to say was this. Or what I'm trying to still explain now is that Abraham had a promise. Amen. And was pregnant with that promise. Now, a person qualified to be the seed of Abraham should be a child of promise. But you see, Isaac is also referred to as a child of promise. The reason why Isaac is referred to in Galatians chapter four, 5, I think, or 4, I think, 4, 20s, thereabout, as a child of promise, because it, there, there was a promise concerning the birth of Isaac. And Abraham was expecting Isaac. Amen. But it took a while for that promise to be fulfilled. Remember when the, uh, the two angels and God himself went to Abraham and then spoke a prophecy and said that a year by this time, your wife Sarah will have a child. Before then, Abraham had been waiting for years. And that child was born. So Isaac was also a child of promise. But you see, Isaac as a child of promise was a type or a typology of Jesus. Isaac as a child of promise was not owning the whole world. I'll explain to you why. Because God knew Jesus was a child of God. True or false? Was and is a child of God. And Jesus was also the seed of Abraham. So the birth of Jesus was the birthing of the promise that had been given to Abraham. The birth of Jesus. When Jesus was born, that seed that the promise that was made to Abraham concerned or the offspring of Abraham, the child of Abraham, that, that that promise actually concerned, was really about, had been born. That child Jesus that was born was a child of promise. And because of that, because he was a child of promise, is qualified to be, to be known as the seed of Abraham, the father of the promise. Look at what I said there. See, so God in his plans, that is why I like Galatians chapter 3, I think from verse 6, 7, where it talks about uh, God foreseeing. It's God foreseeing. God foreseeing. Is that not powerful? So God working out his own foresight according to his own will, according to his own plan. Giving the promise to Abraham and his seed. Knowing that I'm referring to a particular seed called Christ. And that Christ will also be a child of promise just as you are the father of this promise. So Abraham was the, the father of the promise that was given to him. Is that true or false? But not only to Abraham, but to Abraham and his particular seed. And then Paul gives us a clue of that. He says that that seed that the father was talking about, or God was talking about, when he spoke to Abraham, was Christ. And the reason why that seed was and is Christ is because that seed was, was and is a child of promise. Just like Abraham was given a promise. Who hear what I just said there? Say the promise. Is that not powerful? So, that seed was a child of promise. Jesus, when he was born, was a type or a typology of Isaac. In fact, when you study critically, the whole issue, that's what I, I tried to explain some years back about Abraham 
about the, uh, about, uh, the father, the son, and the heir, I was going to say that Abraham was a type of God. Isaac was a type of Jesus. Then the heirs it refers to has to do with the church. So you see that when you study the, all the, the, the work of Abraham with God, it, is a, it was the whole work was a type of God also waiting patiently, just like Abraham waited patiently for Isaac. God also waiting patiently for that one day that his son will come. And the same with even the sacrifice of Isaac, also a type of the sacrifice that was going to take place on the cross. So the whole story of even Abraham throughout, and I actually dealt on that, I think, for about two hours, was all about that, a typology of God and, Abraham, uh, God and his son, or sons. Amen. Amen. What I'm trying to draw your attention to today is that Jesus was and is that child of promise. So when Jesus was born, the promise God made to Abraham had been fulfilled. Now, who is Jesus? First of all, I've said Jesus is a child of promise. And it is that, that understanding that qualifies Jesus to be called the seed of Abraham. It's not because we can trace it according to the flesh. Because if we are tra- tracing it according to the flesh, then we are contradicting what the scriptures say. The scriptures did not say the seed after the flesh. The scriptures is the seed of Abraham. But he did not add anything. It says according to the promise. So if we have given a promise to Abraham, then we need a seed that is also a seed of promise. To be qualified to be the heir of that promise. Or the inheritor of that promise. Who hear what I said there? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Is that not powerful? And so, Jesus is the seed of Abraham after the promise, not after the flesh. Can write it down, it's very important. Jesus is the seed of Abraham in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, after the promise. After the promise, not after the flesh, like many people preach it to be. It's after the, after the promise. So God, for knowing that he had given a promise to Abraham, <laughs> is that not powerful? And had foreseen the seed of Abraham that was going to come after the promise, which is Christ. And God, in his infinite, mess, uh, infinite what, wisdom. Now, what I'm trying to teach you is like I'm going into the mind of God. Amen. What he was really planning when he was saying all of the things he was saying. <laughs> is that not strange? God's, God's, God's plans. I think maybe that's why has kept me uh, today coming late. Amen. Because I, wasn't, I wasn't going to preach. It looks like this thing was just coming to me. And I had to just write something. Amen. Who understands what I'm saying? Who understands what I'm saying? Is that not powerful? But you see, God also foreknowing that his, his child will be born. The same Christ will also be the child of God. True or false? So first of all, that Christ will be the, 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 the seed of Abraham after the promise. Or according to promise. Or because of the promise. Then that child will also be the legitimate child of God. So when he says, Abraham, I have made you the heir, the heir of the world. Or I'll make you the heir of the world. And gave him that promise. He was speaking 
He was prophesying in a way. He was predicting the future. He was talking about that child of Abraham that will come after promise. And his own child, that same child that will come after promise, will also be the child of God, born of God. So Jesus is born of God, true or false? Now, if Jesus is born of God, then it means that the world that God has created belongs to his son. Is that true? Because it's his son. So this is the thing. The child of God has the world belonging to him because his father owns the world. Do you hear that? Then through the promise to that same child of God is connected to Abraham. I don't know whether you heard that. Did you hear that? Why? Go to Ephesians. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Is this not powerful? Who is following what I'm saying? The very short teaching. So don't let us take a lot of time. Just follow. So I think that I talk a lot because sometimes the response is not coming. Two of us. And then you think that people are not understanding. So you keep repeating and talking. If I have a response, maybe I'll use 30 minutes for a one-hour preaching. Is that not true? It's true. But sometimes when you don't have the response coming, you think people don't understand. So you keep going around it, going around it, going around it for 20 minutes. And you say, oh, Papa P has kept long. Can you respond so that I don't keep long? From today, you respond. Come on, shout glory. glory. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Because I want to make sure that I preach for just 45 minutes. Is that not true? And it's possible because I don't have a lot of things to talk about today. It says, who is the image? Can you get a, a, the NIV or a, a new translation? Because sometimes I'm going to talk about the King James too. So that it can be very simple for us. The NIV. You see, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Uh-huh. For by him all things were created. Now look at it here. Things in heaven. And the things on earth. Now look at it. Now if God says that I'm making you the heir of the world, according to Romans chapter 4, where we just read. It's Romans chapter 4 verse what? 13, where we just read. Now the promise to Abraham that he should be the heir of the world. The heir means the inheritor of the world. Is that what I mean? It means that the world that he, the world that in New translation says that the promise that the world should belong to Abraham. And to his seed. Do you understand? That the world should belong to Abraham. But it was a promise. So when he made that promise, he made that promise in mind, in, with Christ in mind, knowing that a time was going to come where he, God, was going to give birth to a son. And when he gave birth to the son, through the word, through his word, when he gave birth to the son, definitely all the things he owns as God will belong to his son. <laughs> so what God was doing was to include Abraham in the ownership of things. Because to do what? Because before he spoke to Abraham that uh, the whole world belongs to you and to your seed. I'm using my own translation in what? Romans chapter 4 verse 13. Before he said that, all the things were created by God. That's what the Bible says. And without him was not anything made that was made. So all the things God created belong to him. And he gave it to Adam to do what? To take charge of it. Not to own it. Did he give it to Abraham to own it? He gave it to Abraham to keep it. To take care of what he had created. 
Did you hear what I said? And to exercise dominion over it. To exercise control. So when he was giving the promise to Abraham, he was actually including Abraham. He saw the faith of Abraham. And we will talk about that maybe on Saturday. He he saw the faith of Abraham. Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. And because Abraham believed God, and God saw his faith, and said, you are righteous, God wanted to include him in the ownership of what belonged to him, God. Did he answer that? Then he decided to include Abraham, and also to include Abraham's seed. Because God was also foreseeing that after Christ, or through Christ, the Gentiles will also become part of Christ. That is what he said in Galatians chapter 3 from verse what? Check it there for me. For verse 13 or something. Or 14. Come on, shout glory. glory. Who is following what I'm saying? It's very simple. So he said that uh, Jesus was made to hang on the tree as a curse. As they say, the curse is anyone that's hanging on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. We'll go back to that scripture. It's so important. You just stay here. Just stay here. Don't look for it. Just stay here. So this is by, for, for by him, all things were created, referring to Jesus. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, whether powers, or rulers, or authorities, all things were created by who? By who? By who? Jesus. By who? Jesus. So all things were created by him and for him. That meant that all things that were created by Jesus also belonged to Jesus. So when Jesus was born, he was born as an owner of all the things that he created. Do you see it here? And was also born as a child of promise. So that there would be a fulfillment of what God has spoken to Abraham in Jesus. God said, Abraham, I'm making you the heir of the world. With the mentality of his seed. Or with, the, with, with thinking about this, with the foresight of his seed. So when the seed came, there had been a fulfillment of that promise of Abraham. Or the promise that was made to Abraham. And that seed was standing on two legs. One is a seed as a child of promise. That connects him to Abraham. The other is a seed of God. Born of God. An offspring of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? A child of God. Then he gives us this revelation. This child of God created all things. This Jesus or this Christ created all things, and all things belong to him. Now, if all things belong to the one who created it, and is connected to Abraham, then definitely, the promise God made to Abraham is fulfilled in that seed. Is that true or false? So, all the seed of Abraham after the flesh, or the seeds of Abraham before Christ, couldn't be owners of the world. So, even though Isaac was so blessed, and Joseph was so blessed, and Jacob so blessed, and even Esau so blessed, they still couldn't be 
the ones that God was referring to when he spoke to Abraham. Why couldn't they be? Or why is it that they could not be? They could not be because they are not the ones who made the world. The seed he was referring to was the seed that made the world and owns the world. Yes, <laughs> what is that not powerful? As God's working all things according to what the counsel of his will. Come on, shout glory. So all things were created by him and all things were created for him. Or all the things he created belonged to him. Shout hallelujah. Is that understandable or it is complex? Understandable. So I give a promise to Abraham thinking that I'm going to give birth to a child in some thousands of years to come. And because I'm giving birth to that child and I've spoken concerning that child as a promise, that child is a promise. When a child is born, the child is born as a child that was promised that had been born. That's number one. I'm also saying all of the things I'm saying to Abraham, thinking that the child I'm giving birth to, I'm giving birth to a child who created things or all things and all things belong to. So as long as that child is born, my word or my promise to Abraham is fulfilled in the child. Is that not powerful and strange? So that is how powerful the promise is. That's how powerful the promise is. The promise brought forth Jesus. The promise brought forth Jesus. That's how powerful the promise is. That is why God foreseen all of that could swear by himself. Because he knows no matter what, that promise will be fulfilled in his son. And he had a plan to bring forth his son. (laughs) We got what I just said. So he could now swear by himself concerning the inheritance of the world. So Jesus is the seed of Abraham. He's also the seed of God. The seed of God because he was born of God. A child of God. He was born by the spirit of God. And he's connected. He has a connection with Abraham. As Abraham's seed. Because he was a child that was promised. That was going to come. So he was a child of promise. Just like Abraham had received a promise. Is that, is that mathematical equation clear? Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? So who called this scripture? Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Take us back to Galatians 3. Come on, shout Hallelujah. Is that not powerful? So the seed actually has to do with Christ. You understand that? The seed actually has to do with Christ. The seed actually has to do with Christ. Is that powerful? The seed had to do with Christ. 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 
the seed had to do with Christ. Is that powerful? Shout glory to that. The seed and the promise. Is that not powerful? Take us to Galatians chapter 3, verse what, 16. Eh? So the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. This is not very clear. Meaning one person. That one person, in the mind of God, was going to be his child. Amen. It's also going to be the child. That the promise actually concerned. The child of promise. The child that has been spoken about and now has been born. The child of promise. Just like Isaac. Or like a type of Isaac. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now go to Galatians, the same Galatians chapter 3. I'm looking for a scripture there. Can we read from this place? Take us back to when he said we receive the spirit. Christ is anyone that hangs on the tree. I think I didn't write that scripture here. Okay, go to Galatians chapter 3 from I'm looking for a scripture here. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. From verse, go to verse 14 and let me see. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. Verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham. So what is the content of the blessing that was given to Abraham? The content is the ownership of the world. You understand what I'm saying there? Before we come to verse 14, go to Galatians 3, 20 something. Is that not powerful? Galatians chapter 3. I don't know how come I just missed this one. From verse 26 to 29. Okay. So it says that, it actually says in verse 16, that he's talking about a seed. Is that not true? So, where is our connection coming from? Our own side of it. Where is it coming from? It says that you are all, go to verse 25. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Uh Verse 26. For we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you see there? So because we are all, say I am. I am. Say we are, we are all. Sons of God. Sons of God. Through, our faith, through our faith. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So because we have expressed faith in Christ Jesus, we are all sons of God. Now the first son was an heir. And a child of promise. Amen. Amen. Now all of us who are included in that sonship, because of our faith are also heirs or joint heirs. With this Jesus, we are first of all sons of God. That's what it says. We are all. Did I say we are all? The Bible says so. So we are all sons of God. How are we sons of God? Because we have expressed faith in Jesus. 
when we express that faith in Jesus, we became sons of God. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus is a son of God. Then it says, because we express faith and we are sons of God, let's go to verse 27. For all, who, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, this have clothed yourselves with Christ. We are what? We have clothed ourselves with Christ. Okay, continue, verse 28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. Then it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and therefore you are also heirs according to the promise. Do you see that? Do you see that? So if we belong to Christ because we have faith in him or we've expressed faith in him and we are sons of God, then we are also inheritors. We are heirs of the promise. Jesus is the first heir. Because we are associated with him divinely or we are connected to Jesus divinely or we are sons of God as he is, we are also heirs of God like he is. So what belongs to Abraham or what belongs to Jesus belongs to us. So if he says by him all things exist and he created all things and all things are for him and we belong to him, then he's telling us that as all things are for him, so are all things for us. So we are, he says we are heirs, we are inheritors according to the promise. Listen, there is a difference when it says we are inheritors of the promise, which is true. We are heirs of the promise. But this we are heirs according to the promise. That is, we are heirs according to the promise that was made to Abraham. Is that, is that understood? We are inheritors according to the promise that was made to Abraham. That promise has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And we are included in Christ Jesus. So that promise has been fulfilled in us who believe. So as Christ is a son of God, we are also sons of God. But the reason why he included the Abraham in the ownership is so that he could introduce that inheritance aspect of him to all who believe. Else we could just be a son of God. But he also wants us to know that we are qualified to be inheritors of him. So whatsoever belongs to God, belongs to Christ Jesus, and belongs to his church, us. Who heard that? So that we don't just say that we are sons of God, but we are also heirs of God. So you read through the scriptures and it mentions sonship. You can be a son and not be an heir. Is that possible? You can be a son in a home or in a family and not necessarily be an heir. In fact, when you enter a royal house, a royal whatever kingdom, or whatever they call the palaces and all of that, in royalty, not all sons are heirs to the throne. Is that true or false? Sometimes it's the first son. Sometimes it's the last son in certain places. Sometimes it's the second son. So you can be a son and not be an heir 
to the throne. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. So, the earth aspect has to do with ownership of things. So, you can be a son of God and never own anything and still go to heaven or still live around as a son of God and even demonstrate God's power and do all of that by a son of God. Amen. You are also an heir of God. But I'm trying to say that you can be a son of God and not, and not experience your inheritance. Because you don't see that it's as much important in the sight of God as it, as it is of your sonship. Your sonship is important to God. And the truth that you are also an heir is also, an import, is also important to God. That is why God swore by himself concerning inheritance. Concerning the blessing. That is the actual reason or purpose for the blessing, for the promise. To raise heirs and not just sons. Did you hear what I said? The reason for the promise to Abraham was to raise heirs and not just sons. God always knows what he is doing. When you read the scriptures, you'll be marveled at the wisdom of God. And the counsel of God. And the working of his will. He knows that we could just believe in Jesus Christ and become his sons. True or false? But he also wanted us not just to be sons, but to be heirs. <laughs> did you did you catch did you catch that? Did you catch that? Yes. So your drive to see success, to see prosperity, to see the manifestation of the blessings, is as a result of the fact is as a result of the fact that you prove that you are an heir. So sometimes when people make it look like you don't need to be wealthy, you don't have to be prosperous, you don't have to be successful, because we are throwing away the heirs, the the the. That side of inheritance or the fact that we are heirs. So a church can specialize in raising sons and not raising heirs. Even though they are heirs. I don't know whether you heard what I just said. A minister can specialize in raising sons who can even bring more souls and do all of that. Yet they are all broke. Not because they are not heirs. But because they are not raised, they are not trained, they are not taught of their inheritance and of the fact that they are heirs. So you are a son, you are also an heir. You have to take advantage of both statuses or both rights, not just one. Because as a son of God, all demons are afraid of you. As a son of God, you have the life of God in you. As a son of God, you have all of that. You are born of God. Yes, sir. The says we are of God, little children. Good, but Paul emphasizes in this writings and takes his time to talk about Romans chapter 4 where we read in Hebrews chapter, uh, what do you call it? 6 from verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 brings all of that to light yes, so that we don't lose sight of the truth that we are also heirs else he could have amplified the fact or the truth that we are sons 
and we just enjoy the fact that we are sons because we are born of God. But if we enjoy all that truth that we are sons and we walk in luck, we can't do much. In fact, it's not even that we, don't, we can't do much. We wouldn't, the, the world wouldn't see the glory in our lives. But there is no glory in being broke. There's no glory in being poor. Do you hear what I'm talking about? There's no glory in not walking in the blessings. In fact, you may not have a voice. You may be a son. In fact, you may do all the things, but you are still broke. You hear what I just said there? So the promise was or is the force that has brought us into, into I don't know how to put that. Whether there is a word like airship or uh, what do you call it? Inheritance. <laughs> Come on, shout glory that. Is that not powerful? Maybe air dome or air something, something. <laughs> Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a promise that has brought us there. Promise to Abraham. That has brought us there through Christ. Shout glory to that one. Who oh, heard what I just said there? So it's important that we also take advantage of these truths. Of the truth that we are heirs of God. That the Abrahamic blessing is also working in our lives. That we are owners of the world. Did you hear what I'm talking about? That anything at all can be brought into our life. And when it is brought, it is not a surprise to God. In fact, in the mind of God, anything at all that is brought into your life is something you qualify for. Did you hear what I said? There is nothing so big for you to take. (laughs) There is nothing so big for you to enjoy. There is no material blessing or no material thing that is too big for you. So this one is too big for me. No. No. Because you are bigger than any material thing you see. The fact that you are an heir of God makes you bigger and greater than any material thing that you see in this world or you, 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 you purchase in this world or you, you give in this world. You give out. Say, I'm giving out things. Say, I'm a distributor of things. I'm pushing the gospel. I'm blessed. I can't say I don't have money to give in the church. I don't have money to build a church. No, I dream like that. My dreams are not as a result of the work I do. Why? Because I'm an heir of God. And when the blessing is effecting, it's taking effect, it takes effect everywhere. Who is hearing what I'm saying there? That is so important. Have you caught that? Have you caught that? Then you also realize that it is not only Jesus that is the child of promise. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of promise. Is that not powerful? I'm trying to let you know how, how the kind of potency the promise has. For which it is one of the reasons why it says God is unchangeable in what he said. Is that, is that what he says? The immutability of his counsel. It says two things. The promise, the oath. But he explained the oath to us that because God had nothing greater to swear by, he swore by himself. So that one is, is clear to us. 
And also explains even further that in even the court of law, wherever, when a person swears, we do not doubt his, 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 what, his arguments or his evidence or whatever he says. We don't doubt it because he swore. So sometimes in, in life, people, people, in order to prove that what they are saying is true, they say, I swear. Is that what they said? I mean, true, me can be beyond. Or me can this. And all that. Why? They're trying to prove that what they are saying is true and has no lies. Is that true? So the, the scriptures explain that one. But I think Paul left the promise out. Or he had explained the promise in several places. So he said, <laughs> Is that not powerful? <laughs> As I'm explaining all of that one in Hebrews 6 again, then it will become another wahala. I have to now write a whole chapter and all that. So it says that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs according to the promise. Now go to uh, Corinthians or Romans. Let me see that scripture. On this same thing Romans chapter 8, from verse 15. Romans 8, 15 to 17. So it shows that it's a promise that includes what? Inheritance and all that in sonship. In our sonship. It's a promise that was made to Abraham. That makes it possible for us to talk about inheritance and the fact that we are heirs. Did you catch that line? Don't forget it. It says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Continue. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Mm-hmm. Now, if we are children, you see that Paul is saying it here again. If we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. And co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may be, see his glory. But it says, if we are Children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. Say, I'm an heir of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Who are we joint heirs with? So, if the scripture is saying that by Him He created all things and all things belong to Him, and I'm a joint heir with Him, what is He telling me? All things belong to me also. Did you hear what I said? All things belong to me also. All things belong to the church. We have what it takes, what we need to propagate the gospel. If all things belong to me and I'm praying that something should be given to me, is that not an error? It means I do not walk in lack. I do not have needs. I have all things. You hear what I said? So you stop praying about the things that you already have. Yes, See why I talk about reducing the prayer points yes, and prayer requests every time. You stop praying about the things you already have yes, by reason of your oneness with Christ. Do you see it there? Yes, Give me the King James for that scripture. Hurry up. Hurry up. Those of you following the teachings of the, of the blessings, you must walk in wealth 2022. Yes, I said what? 
in wealth. You are working in wealth 2022. Amen. There are people who all this, I've come together yesterday. I was speaking with, with my elder brother. And he said something I've been saying every time. That he's realized that Ghanaians are not interested in becoming great. Like the Nigerians do. And so we are coming to talk about money. Oh, what is money? I can't even come to church. But we say, go to work and take 1,000 Ghana. You go to work and take 1,000 Ghana. Is that serious? 1,000 Ghana cities, 1,005. Is that powerful? We are not prioritizing the things of God. We are not interested in what God says belongs to us. So that we can take, we can take it. Say, I'm taking it, I'm taking it. All things belong to me. I'm taking I'm seeing the manifestation of things in my life. Is that powerful? And if children, then S, S of God and joint S. When it says we are joint S with Christ, it doesn't mean that we are sharing the inheritance 50-50. It means that the inheritance belongs to Jesus, but he's not going to do anything with it on the throne. And he has left us here to do things, two of us. So he expects that all the things that belong to Jesus, that belongs to us, we are the ones to enjoy here. And use it for promoting the gospel. I said what? Promotion of the gospel. Now go back to Galatians chapter 4. Is that not powerful? So what am I doing now? What I'm doing is Galatians chapter 4. Can you take us quickly or you're already tired? We are doing Shout glory. glory. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differed nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. So you see, after he said that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, then in Galatians chapter 4, when he's calling the church, it says, the heir. What's your new name? The heir. Do you see what he said? Did I say it there? So now I say, the heir, or that, the heir. Then he says, as long as he is a child. He says, it's not different from a servant. Even though he has been made the owner of the wealth. So somebody said, ah, all things are, are mine. Papa, you said all things are mine. I didn't say all things are yours. Oh. It's God who said all things are yours. Yes. Through Christ Jesus. Yes, then he says that, but that heir, that all things belong to. So this is one of the major reasons why Christians can't work in wealth. This scripture. It makes a lot of... You see how many of us are here? Well, the others who are heirs. They are sitting down eating banku. Some of them are asleep. Is that true or false? Some may not be online and will never watch this message. So nothing provokes them to want to work in the inheritance. I've said that your faith cannot give to you what you don't know. Your faith can never give into your hands like this what you don't know. I didn't say what you don't have. Because in Christianity, we have Christ himself. So what are we looking for again? But to handle things, you must know it. 
Did you hear what I said? One thing that stifles faith is ignorance. It's ignorance. And now listen. The blessing of the Lord or the Abrahamic blessing does not work or does not work for those who walk according to their senses. Write it down. Now, I'll teach you that maybe on, I'll, I'll start that on Saturday. When it talks about Abraham believed God, when you see all the scriptures along that we read, I think last week, Wednesday, we said the just shall live by faith. It says the righteous shall live by faith. Is that not what he said? That's what he talked concerning Abraham. Showing you the work of faith. The one who is a nephew can't walk by faith. So when he says the heir, as long as he's a child, he's referring to a nephew, an infant. An infant does not know how to walk by faith. And the Abrahamic blessing came to Abraham by faith. Is that not true? I'll show you the faith work on Saturday when we have the partnership meeting. I have a lot to share on that. Is that not powerful? By faith. It means that the manifestation of that will also be by faith. In other words, we get born again in the sons of God by faith. We are made heirs by faith. That inheritance can only come into our hands by our work of faith. Do you see that? So when he says the heir, as long as he's a child, as long as he's an infant, it's not different from a servant. Who is a servant? And who is an heir? So there's a distinction between the servant and the heir. Is that true? In the home. The one who is the servant and the one who is an heir, are they the same? No. But it says even in the home, and the home is referring to is in this household of faith, the church. It says the one who is an heir and the one who is not born again and is a servant. It says when he puts two of them together, as long as the one who is an heir is still an infant, they look the same. Think about it. Is that not strange and powerful? Then he says, though he be Lord. Lord of what? Why? Because all things belong to Jesus and belong to him. So now he's not saying that Jesus is Lord of all. Is that what he's saying here? He says the heir is Lord of all. Meaning that he's saying Brawalash is Lord of all. Pastor Obed is Lord of all. I am Lord of all. Did you hear what I said there? That's what he's saying here. He says, Bragidio, you are Lord of all. Lord of all means that an owner of all. When he uses the word Lord, he uses the word of having ownership and having the ability to distribute it. Is that not true? If you are Lord of a car or Lord of cars, you can give that car out. <laughs> Do you have to go and ask somebody before? No. You are Lord. You are it is your you have that legitimate right to give it out. To own and give it out. So it says you are Lord of all. Oh, is this not strange and powerful? Are these truths are these not are these truths not truths you must sit on the whole year and be wondering? Malagadosh. Now go to verse 2. Go to verse 2 quickly. It says, but it's under tutors and governors. That is what we are doing now. That's what we are doing what? Now. Now. Under tutors and governors. 
when we are teaching. It says, until the time appointed of the Father. The time where the, the heir, who is Lord of all, has matured to that level where when there is a manifestation of this inheritance in his life, he knows how to handle it. He knows what to do with it. Do you hear what I said? That is what, that is what affected Lot. Because Abraham, at the time Lot was separated from Abraham, Abraham was still in his journey of faith. How many of you know that? So he was still being, he says, God had to say, Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. But the promise had been given to him. But he had to walk before the Lord and be perfect. He had to be trained. He was under governor. He was under tutors. Abraham himself. But Lord should have been also under Abraham's tutelage. But Lord said, oh, now see, I have wealth just like you. And then, even when Abraham said, choose, see, look at all this place, choose. He still chose wrongly. Did he choose wrongly? He chose wrongly. You can see his end. At a point in time, Abraham had to do intercession for Lot. So many Christians are like Lot. Even though they are the seed of Abraham. If you tell them to make certain choices, they will choose wrongly. And the effect will show after 10, 20 years. Sometimes in marriage. Because they wouldn't stay under the tutors. They don't have time. There is too much on me. I'm doing my masters. I'm doing my PhD. I'm doing my PhD. I'm doing my what? My husband says this. My wife says this. You are doing your PhD. You will stay under tutors and governors. Now, imagine a Christian who is an heir, who is Lord, and is not under any tutor or governor. He's here, come to church and go, come to church and go. He says, until the time appointed of the Father, that, appoint, you, your, your, that appointed time may never come till the rapture. Did you hear what I said? It may never come. Abraham had his appointed time and received his Isaac. True or false? And even was asked to go and sacrifice Isaac and did not see it as a problem. He had grown. He had done what? Grown. According to the scriptures, even when he was asked to go and sacrifice, I wish maybe we had time to look, to do a study on Abraham because of this. From chapters to chapters to chapters. The first encounter was in Egypt when he came with came rich gold, silver, and all that. And the substance multiplied in Genesis chapter 13. Reading the whole chapter, you catch it there. Is that powerful? You read out to Genesis chapter 20 or something where he went to Abimelech. That's a walk of faith to a particular stage. He had been perfected in his walk. At that time, God showed in, 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 in Egypt, it wasn't like with Abimelech. With Abimelech, God made all the people in his house, what do you call it? Barren. It means that the force of Abraham had increased then. 
to the point where Abraham had to pray for Abimelech's household as a prophet. But God, when it, when it, <laughs> I, I, used, I want you to see the stages. In Egypt, Abraham was not called a prophet. With Abimelech, Abraham was called a prophet. So tell, tell Abraham, you pray for your household and you'll be healed. And you now have children. Hey! Their work has increased. So when he was asked to go, the scripture says, by revelation, Paul said by faith, when Abraham was asked to go and sacrifice his only son, his what? Only son. He did it with no question. In fact, he did not even inform his wife. He just left, carried the son, said, we are going to farm, don't worry. But in his mind, I am going to sacrifice you. The Bible says, Abraham, as he was going and climbing the mountain, he was accounting. It means that he was saying, he was confessing that even if this child is killed, the God who gave this child is able to still raise that child out of the ashes. That is how perfected his faith had become. Shall glory. That is what Paul is speaking and is telling us that we also must be under tutors and governors until the appointed time. When is the appointed time? When we are prepared by the Spirit to handle wealth on a particular level. Now you can handle in a level. <laughs> Say in a measure. I'm handling in a measure. Some of you two are here. You can handle in certain measures. Come on, shout glory. Who caught the verse 2? To the time appointed of the Father. Go to verse 3. Quickly, let's read it to verse 7. Quickly, because of my time. Mm -hmm. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Mm -hmm. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, I wish I could explain this scripture. When it says when we were children, we're under bondage under the elements of those that this that means that we have matured. He's referring to you can see that in Galatians chapter 3. When it says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having started in the flesh, having started in faith, how, how have you now ended in the flesh? So here he was referring, he's t- trying to tell these people of where they were before they were included in the blessing. He used the word children there. In verse 1, he talks about servant. You should, you should know the writings. Amen. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, uh-huh, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Verse 6. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. So I have received the Holy Ghost. Crying Abba Father. Verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. But you see here, he talks about God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. Do you see it there? Take us to Galatians chapter 3 quickly. Just give me some five minutes and let me kill this one so I don't come to it again. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, I think from verse 16, 17. Quickly. Oh, Abraham. 
One day when Abraham was going to destroy, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Sometimes, let me tell you, for you, this is a secret. Say it's a secret. Do what we call character studies. Amen. Take your time and read on the work of Abraham with God. Study it for yourself. It reached a stage when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It's Pastor Fred there. Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, Shall I hide this my intention from my son Abraham? He was going to Abraham to have a discussion concerning his intention to destroy a particular city. Do you you get what I'm saying? So at the end of Abraham's life, the scripture says Abraham was old in age. His eyes were not dim. In fact, at an old age, he gave birth again. (laughs) After Sarah had died at an older age, more than 200 or one something, he still married again and gave birth. <laughs> Is that not strange? <laughs> and he says, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. God had blessed Abraham in all things. That was the conclusion of Abraham's story. So I'm blessed in all things. So it's now to Abraham and his seed where the promise made. He said not unto seed as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ, verse 17. And this I say, oh, where did we go to? Go up, go up, go up, go up to verse 14. Yes. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is a very important scripture that we might receive the pronoun. He talked about the blessing. Then he talked about the promise of the Spirit. Why? Go to Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 13. I want you to see this one here and see what you read in Galatians chapter 4 and then Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 13. Are we talking about promise? So the Holy Ghost is also called the spirit of promise. That is in, <laughs> I told you the seed and the seed is Christ. True or false? The, in reality, the promise is the Holy Ghost. So the promise that was made, all of that, when God was making all those promises and all that about inheritance of the world and all that, it was in the seed, it was in the, the, the actual aspect of that promise is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the promise. Why? Because a person or a thing can absolutely belong to God when the Holy Ghost fills that thing or that person. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? You won't catch it because I'm in a hurry. (laughs) But it's okay for you. You can go back and listen. Shout glory. So, if the Holy Ghost fills this place, like the Temple of Solomon, when it was built, it was an auditorium. Is that not true? But when it was dedicated and the presence of God came into the temple, it became the temple of God. It belonged to God. 
Did you hear what I said? So when you read Ephesians 1.13, it says that in whom also you trust in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that holy spirit of promise you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise now we call him the holy spirit of promise not because Jesus promised the coming of the holy spirit but because in God speaking to Abraham concerning his, in, he being the heir of the world he was promising him the Holy Ghost. So the real promise was about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you didn't hear what I said. So he calls him, even though he said, the heir of the world. <laughs> Come on, shout glory here. Go to verse 14. In whom also, he says, which is, talking about the Holy Ghost, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The Holy Ghost is first of all, because him the seal. A seal means something like a stamp that declares ownership. So somebody owns a cattle and puts a seal somewhere around the ear. So as long as that cattle or that cow is in the street with that something in the ear, it belongs to that owner, true or false? A seal. So this one, it says that a seal, a stamp that declares ownership. But then it says, which is the Holy Ghost of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. The earnest there means the deposit of our inheritance. In reality, the Holy Ghost is the proof or evidence that we are owned by God and God own, we, are, we own God and God owns us. That means that we belong to God and God belongs to us. The Holy Spirit is the what? The proof. The evidence. Is that not powerful? I said it's what? The proof. The evidence. The validation. The validation. And take us back. Do you catch this? Which is the earnest of our inheritance. The deposit. The validation. Why is the spirit giving? <laughs> because even though Jesus was born of God as a son of God, it was when the Holy Ghost came to indwell him that he could be qualified as an heir. The Holy Ghost. Go to Galatians again, where you just read, 14, uh, uh, 15, 16, or 14, 15. And let me close with that one. It looks like what I'm teaching. Maybe I have to come and continue that one next week on the promise of the Spirit. Amen. Say amen. amen. This year you are walking in wealth. Amen. Wealth created by ever-increasing grace. Amen. Because of the Abrahamic blessing on your life. Because you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. 
Come on, shout glory. glory. Is that not powerful? powerful. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout another hallelujah. hallelujah. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Now, do you see a semicolon there? Do you see a semicolon there? It says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There's a reason why he says that. Maybe next week I will. I wanted to end this one today. Is that not powerful? Or one day I'll teach that. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit have that association. Nobody can say the Abrahamic blessing is on or in his spirit without the Holy Ghost in there. And nobody can know how to or can experience the blessing without the spirit that is in there. It's so important. It's so important. Shout glory. Is that not powerful? So we are not raising just World changers who are shouting, we are world changers. We are not just raising those who are preaching the gospel and know the word. True or false? We are raising sons to grow. We are raising heirs to be distributors of things. Some are distributor of substance, of great substance. Shout hallelujah. Say that and say, I'm a distributor of great substance. I am the hope of my world. I'm the hope of my world. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shall we please be upstanding and then. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Bless you all. I pray for each one of you that you walk in the understanding of the blessing. In the name of Jesus. That you walk with the Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the power of the Holy Ghost in you. The spirit of promise at work in your spirit. Will produce the manifestation. Of these blessings. The effect of these blessings. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shout amen. Amen. Glory. Glory. So when you walk on the street. You walk as an heir of God. When you are jogging. You say I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir of God. Come on shout glory. Those of you who joined online, thank you for joining us. We love you so much. Next week, God willing, we continue. And this Saturday, we have a very special meeting with all partners. In fact, I think the pastors will have a meeting with all partners tomorrow, Thursday. Let them know how important Saturday is. And how important the message we are teaching on the blessing is for every partner. This year, we've decided that we will do reviews on, on partnership. Amen. We have meetings on Zoom and find out how much they have learned from what we've been teaching. Your yeah, partner is just a partner because he's giving. They said that there's a, one, of, one of the richest church in Malaysia has some rich people, and he trains them in the world like this. And all his partners are very wealthy. Very wealthy. If all you just do is just give, give him a partner, a partner, and all that, you may end up with 200 level to just blow the trumpet. But it's important we look at how much how, not how much you are just giving, but how much you are learning or you are knowing 
Well, that's what you think. You must know how much you know. So you have to do a meeting, just a short meeting on that, so that they follow the teachings and listen to the Abrahamic, the teaching on the two immutable things before something, because they will just pick up from somewhere. Is that not powerful? It's very important. Shall we take our offerings quickly? So if you join us online, we love you so much, and we pray for you that the blessings of the Lord will be at work through you in your life, that gates will be opening supernaturally by the Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shall we please take our offerings? Shall we share the grace together? And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Shout glory. glory. So you can just bring your offering from the back. 